the person who spends the first five to 20 minutes of the time we have slated trying to talk me out of starting to write their book <laughs> right now. Um, those actually end up being some of the most amazing books that come out because... Success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Welcome to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast, where it's all about getting it up and keeping it up. And yes, we're talking about revenue and profits, and we all know that it's about the six inches between your ears. So I interview some of the hottest people in the industry that are blowing and going so that we can help you get in on some action. So if you like a little tongue in cheek and not just physically, you're in the right place. Today, I am in bed with my most amazing guest, Steve Kidd. Steve, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. My name is Steve Kidd. I'm a third generation minister and international best-selling author of 21 books and counting. Uh, but most importantly, I get to help people write, publish, market their books to bestseller and beyond. I am a marketing company, have been a marketing company since 1987. And with the four to 5,000 authors that I've worked with, that equates to several million people whose lives have been touched by what they put out into the world. Nice. I love that. So what made you decide to get into writing as a thing? Well, you know, I mean, I'm a high creative. I've been writing and creating stuff my whole entire life, writing stories and books and making up things, you know, when I was even a kid. And, um, and then in my young adult life, my late teens, early twenties, I was actually the lead singer in a Christian rock band. Um, and I've written probably about a hundred different songs. Um, so, when it came to writing, it just was always something that I guess I've always kind of done. That's awesome. So who would you say now is your ideal client? Like who is most attracted to you? Oh, you, of course. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, Other than me in particular. <laughs> it's ironic that you actually asked that because, you know, my perfect client is um, typically a woman, um, She's been in corporate for a while. Many of them have master's degree or higher level education. Um, and then she left corporate and now has had her own business for three plus years, has reached a point where she is profitable and is doing the things uh, that, you know, we now know she's going to have that business versus just trying it out. She is really officially a business. Um, and I suppose even more importantly than that, it's somebody who really wants to change the world and make a difference in this world. Nice. Love that. So when you're working with people, are you 
typically doing something that promotes their business, something that's a kind of love child that they just have to get out. How do they, what typically would somebody be writing when they're working with you? I mean, because I'm a marketing company, I'm always thinking about how best to market their company. What can we do to promote who they are and what they do into the world? Um, with even maybe even more so than that, the emphasis being, uh, what can you do to make the world a better place? Who's the person that you can help with the thing that you do in this world? Mm -hmm. Nice. So um, talk to me a little bit about the process that you take people through and how that all goes down. Do, do they need to have an idea of what they're going to write about? Do they have to know what their business is about? How does that work? No, in fact, actually, my preference is the person who spends the first five to 20 minutes of the time we have slated trying to talk me out of starting to write their book <laughs> right now. Um, those actually end up being some of the most amazing books that come out because then they have no preconceptions that we have to move through. Um, but we do first before we do the writing session, we do a strategy session to talk specifically about uh, who your ideal client is, what they need, and what of what you do in this world, um, you know, can help them. We talk very specifically about taking a point, making that point really clear, and then giving them a clear action from that point, rather than dumping everything we know on a person the very first time we see them. Um, and then we go into that writing session, and, and uh, I encourage people to use speaking to write. We do on Zoom and uh, just have what is going to feel for them like a very casual conversation. There is actually purpose behind it, but it's better if you just feel like you're talking. In fact, perfect win is when the person says, does this make any sense? Because then I know that we're getting out the right stuff and that they're just lost in expression and saying what they are rather than trying to put together a book, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, um, it does. Yeah, that's kind of how it starts. All right. So when when somebody is going through this process, are you looking for kind of the essence of them? Is there kind of a, I know a lot of people have kind of, oh, the book has to hit these five points kind of thing before it's going to be quote unquote successful. And then some of them are just looking to go, hey, this is what I want to get out in the world. And um, how much is too much of me kind of thing. So is it one or the other or both, or <laughs> you can take any um, question you want. Out yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really designed to be, uh, you know, and that's why we want to define that ideal client first is so what is the next step that they need and what information do they need to be empowered to make just that one step? Um, and so when we really understand where that client is, then we can really truly understand this is the next thing they need and bring that just really simple one thing to them and help them take that step. And then of course, at the end of the book, offer them, you know, Hey, when you're ready to take another step, I'd love to do that with you too. Thanks. Cause you yourself have taken a few steps in the whole literary <laughs> field. Um, and talk to us, talk to me about your journey and how that all kind of took place. So the first book that I helped publish, actually, my then wife and my second youngest daughter were huge fans of the movie Twilight. Um, and we lived near where the filming of the first movie was done. Pretty much all of it was within an hour drive of Portland, Oregon. 
Um, and uh, they wanted to go see the filming sites. They were huge fans. They went on a mother-daughter trip for my daughter's 18th birthday um, and took some notes and did some blogging about it. And I helped them turn all of that into the book. Um, and when we talk about self-published, um, that one was the literal definition of self-published. I had a, a professional printing thing that I was doing for other stuff. And I was literally printing it there at the house and selling it, uh, you know, five or 10 at a time to local merchants that were, you know, ironically twilight merchants, right? You know, people that had been oh. featured or been part of the store. And then I learned the process of, you know, self-publishing on Amazon and stuff like that. So that's where that part of the journey went. For my first book, I was, as many of us do, I was writing the, you know, give me your email address and I'll give you this, you know, cool thing that I've come up with for you. Um, and I sat down to start writing that um, and pretty much stayed up all night and then got into it longer and longer. Uh, 110 pages later, um, I no longer had a free opt-in. I had written an entire book. And then uh, my oldest mentor, Dr. Donald Joy, uh, was wonderful to both write the forward for it as well as go through and tell me some of the places that I was a little crazy and a little off base and it didn't make sense. And and we put that book together and um, and actually following my own advice, because that was a 10 things book, that was a dump everything I know on you kind of book. I went back and republished that book as actually a 10 book series. So it's actually 10 books now. Wow. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Nice. So are you going to let us in on your other little secrets or are you, you going to hold back on those? Oh, well, um, you know, other books that I've written uh, before I tell you the one that I know you're just dying for me to tell the world. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a book that's called R Romeo, the Suicidal Parakeet. Um, it what? is done. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. I love it so much. Um, it's done kind of comic strip style. So each of the pages has somewhere between four and six cells. If you've ever looked at a comic strip in like the newspaper or things like that. Um, it's actually literally based on a real life story. We had this crazy parakeet that would drop himself off of his perch onto his head and he'd be laying in the bottom of the cage, you know, just, um, and, and my mind for years was like, what was going to that crazy bird's head? Um, and so during COVID with all the craziness and all the other things that were out, I just put together and some of them are a little bit political. Most of them are just really funny, um, you know, and it's explaining why is this crazy bird trying to off himself <laughs> by dropping himself on his head. So uh, Romeo, the suicidal parakeet, that one's a fun book. But then I also did write, and this is the one I know you wanted me to share. Uh, I've actually written four adult erotic fiction novels, um, one the first of it is a trilogy, um, and then the uh, the fourth book is actually taking a minor character in that series and taking the whole entire series again from his outside perspective. And he also actually meets the girl of his dreams and falls in love too. And so um, it's it's both highly erotic. So if you're offended by um, flat out sex. Okay. Let's not pull punches. If you're offended by that, um, you know, when I launched the book, I did tell everybody, Hey, look, you know, this is highly graphically intense. And if you don't want to read that, then you don't want to read this book. Um, but it is also a really incredible journey that the story ended up going on of, um, not both, not only both of them coming together, but the, the female that is the lead in that book, really finding the strength and empowerment. And then the fourth book is, is really just kind of a testimony to 
just how awesomely cool love could be, even if maybe none of us have ever totally experienced that, what we all really, really want. Nice. I love it. So in, in the business world, you've done uh, business, so mm-hmm. nonfiction. You've done what I'm going to call it. So Romeo the Suicidal Barricade, is that like a kid's book just because it's comic or is it actually kind of addressed to adults in a comic sort of way? I have had children read it. It is really kind of more adults because, yeah. you know, it kind of goes a little bit over the kids, the kids head as far as some of the concepts. <laughs> oh, so did Shrek, but <laughs> I think that was right. intended. <laughs> it's at the very least a book that, you know, if you're reading it to your kids as a, as a parent, you would probably be laughing more than the child would. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then erotica. So one, um, how did you position your business or your persona to, to include an audience that would fulfill or that would be... <laughs> And what am I trying to say? I would think that it would be difficult to have three different audiences and be able to embark on those three audiences from a marketing point of view. Um, One, how did you do that? And two, did you? Uh, And three, is that part of your business persona or do they have three different business personas? So the adult books are all done under a pen name. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, here and on your was the only times that I've ever actually admitted um, to anybody except for my close personal friends that it was me that actually written it, wrote it. Um, even when I did the launch, it was the lady that wrote it. Um, <laughs> so uh, nobody can, you, you didn't hear that anybody, that's not really me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that is a totally different persona. Romeo was really just for fun. Um, I haven't really put a whole lot of marketing behind it other than we did launch it. It is a bestseller and we did some things there early on, but it wasn't, it was just, just fun. You know, it was just roaming through my head and I had to get it out of there. And um, I was testing out a new graphic artist. And so I was like, here's a really good challenge for them. Can they capture this bird and what I'm saying in these little quips and, and make fun drawings. So it was, it was a good way of testing them out. Um, That's how it worked for my business. And then the rest of them, um, you know, they do all very much play into what I'm doing as well as additionally, all 21 books serve to be proof of concept, um, of what I'm doing. The 21st book actually is a Christian book. It's called playing, hit it and quit it with Jesus. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a men's guide too. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit, a little bit of a left turn at Albuquerque for, just the traditional business books that I do. But another thing that was just on my heart that I had to share. That is fun. Well, and I'm also seeing this as a trend to what I call the Renaissance people are coming out. (laughs) There are a lot of people that have like a really high tech background that are going completely woo woo into crystal healing and stuff. And then, you know, your background into erotica, which may seem normal to you, it seems a little left field to me. <laughs> so going back to the Christian book doesn't seem very left field at all. Actually, it seems kind of what I would have expected. Um, but I see a lot of people that are having to express kind of all quadrants of their personality. Let's put it that way. Um, and in the digital world, it doesn't really match because people have a really hard time going, oh, yeah, but you're this. So how do I fit you into the blocks of what you can do? Um so have you noticed a difference between kind of the online world and the offline world as far as your success in the book writing goes? 
Um, for me, mm-hmm. uh, what this last book has done, um, you know, and again, the, the four book series is kind of, it was just me expressing, um, you know, it, it's kind of a, a side burner all of its own. But for me, this last book was really, I have spent the better part of the last year really struggling with bringing all of me to the table rather than just, you know, here's a guy that can help you do a book and how does all of that and how does uh, the empath that I am and the visionary that I am, how does that really come together? And um, so it was a, a beginning foray into something bigger that, you know, really honestly, I'm still, and even the people that are helping me with it are still really kind of define how do we, uh, now that Steve has broken out of the box, which is a good thing, um, how do we still be able to express that in a way that doesn't just sound like, you know, some crazy person? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we all have to be able to kind of hone in the messaging of our crazy, but I think it's really important to release the crazy because if we don't release the crazy, I think it just, it festers rather than percolates. There's, um, you know, and, and I tease you about that. It was just a thing I had to express. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, sexuality is kind of, you know, almost a hundred percent of our personalities, whether we like it or not. And we have this, you know, water is a part of our essence. Expression is part of our essence. It, it all becomes a part of our expression, our essence. And how do we kind of give time and effort to all of these different aspects at once because whether it's in business or personal i don't think you can get it up and keep it up unless you're following those passions and and giving space to them yeah well and part of it boils down to and i do this with with all of my people um whether we're doing a strategy session or we're writing a book or whatever, um, when we try to, and all of us do this, we try to hold back something that's coming in. Um, And so what that does is it blocks all of our creativity. Um, What I do with people, whether they're doing a brainstorming session and they're writing stuff out, or we're doing a book writing session and they're talking about is if in the middle of it, you have the thought, oh my gosh, I forgot to take the laundry from the washer into the dryer. Just say it, just put it out there and keep going. Because when you try to stop yourself from saying that thing, it stops everything that's behind it too. And so that, that is definitely a piece of, um, you know, what do you do when it's 11 o'clock at night and you have things that you want to express, you know, you either express them or they just kind of stay stagnant inside of you. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, I love that too, in that I, have yet to meet somebody that is completely creative between nine to five, Monday to Friday. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I can't be thinking those thoughts right now. Yeah. I have to wait until. <laughs> I have to turn <laughs> that off because it's not time. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't usually work that way. Uh, which is, And also a reason why I love smartphones because you can be on a walk with the dog and still hit record without having to <laughs> answer mm-hmm. the phone. Oh, but, yeah. you know, you got this multi-purpose thing going on there. Awesome. I actually talked to um, a friend, the, the only billionaire that I've actually had a personal friendship with, um, and we lost him about a year ago, but um, I I was expressing to him because I was single, living at house, this is really kind of weird, but I was 53 years old, and it was the first time ever in my entire life I had lived completely alone. I mean, I had my dog, but 
you know, she sleeps 20 hours a day. So that's not a whole lot. <laughs> um, and I said to him, I said, you know, I'm feeling guilty because it'll be two, three o'clock in the morning. And I find myself laying down and taking a nap. Um, and then it'll be two or three o'clock in the morning and I'm in the middle of doing all this work. Um, and he said, we'll just stop feeling guilty. And I was like, well, that's easier said than done. He goes, no, think about it. He goes, we're not having a conversation about how you're not working. We're just simply talking about the fact that when you have work to do, you're doing it. And when you're tired, you're learning to be able to honor yourself enough to be able to sleep in those times too, rather than because it's like you said, nine to five, you have to be on during all of those times. And if you're not somehow that makes you a bad person. Right. That is so not true. I'm a huge advocate of, you know, do whatever works, whenever it works. I have found in the past that my roommates, housemates, whatever, don't particularly like it when I get a vacuuming fetish at about three in the morning. But <laughs> other than that one, I can usually get away with sneak out and writing stuff or drawing or you know, whatever kind of pops up and just has to take place. Um, and sometimes it's like, hey, are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. It's a part of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, so when you're working with your clients, is there, um, have you noticed kind of any personality traits that they all tend to have in common or, or something fun about some in particular? Well, now keep in mind that I've worked with so many of them that, um, you name it, I've definitely worked with them and, and it is definitely interesting to see how varied and unique certain people are, you know, and how one person, um, you know, like the concept of getting the content down and then editing the final content rather than critiquing whether or not the comma should go in the right place with every word you're saying. Um, there are some people that really struggle with me pushing them out of that box that they've lived in. Um, but, you know, I've worked with so many uh, fun and interesting people. Uh, one of the, one of the authors that I worked with, his name is actually, his name is Dr. Dre on Birch. He goes by Dr. Dre. He's been on TV shows like the doctors and stuff like that. Um, interestingly enough, Dr. Dre, the rapper, um, tried suing him for using the name Dr. Dre. Um, and he actually, Dr. Dre on Birch actually won the court case because his name actually is, you know, Dre on and, you know, and he, they don't even spell it the same way or anything, but, um, you know, I mean, like you said, I worked with Errol, my, my good friend, that's a billionaire started 47 businesses. Um, and sold all of them for a profit of a million dollars or more, the last few being a billion dollars or more, um, with no failures. Wow. Most amazing person I've ever met. The only person I know that has in his entire business story has never had a failed business. And that isn't to say that there aren't times, because I helped him write his book, there weren't times when there was real struggles and when they were down and when the company was losing money. But he always found a way to bring that out and and get to the point where, you know, the exit point for him in that company was a profitability point. Wow. Um, yeah. That's impressive. So I can only but imagine that you might have learned a thing or two from helping him write his book. Oh, learned a thing or two. And he was <laughs> such a great friend. One of those kind of guys that, you know, I could message at like 10 o'clock at night and, and we'd both have conversations, but also one of those kind of people that when you talk to, it felt like, in business, even though I've been in business, you know, my whole life, uh, 1987 is when I started the company officially as an adult. Um, I felt like 
a kid pre-kindergarten being taught what a letter looked like, you know, <laughs> just so mind-blowingly awesome, the things he could teach. Wow, that is fantastic. So is that book still for sale and available? Yes, yes, Errol's book, Errol Abramson. His book is called You Can Too. Um, he literally wrote it. He was a 16-year-old street kid uh, literally eating food out of dumpsters because he was homeless and, you know, no parents, just himself, uh, to the point where before he passed, one of the two companies he owned was a $10 billion a year company. Um, and he wrote his whole book with only the idea of just telling people, it's like, look, I, I did it. Here's how I did it. You can do it too. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. What a great story. Hey, so what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having listening to this going, oh my God, Steve, I need you so badly. The, the biggest thing for all of us boils down to the same thing in two different ways. Number one is everybody needs to be an author. Almost no one is a writer. Now I've met a few really amazing writers, but very few people, uh, if you sent them an email, Two minutes later, you're going to get this well-articulated grammar and everything done, written out document. Dr. Joy was one of those kind of people that if you ask him a question, you didn't just get a you know typical text response. You got full articulated thesis kind of responses. Um, very few of us are that person, but everybody needs to be an author. In fact, I can tell you from a marketing standpoint, you'll never maximize your marketing if you don't have not just a book, but a bestseller with it. Um, the problem is, is, is that writing is very difficult for almost all of us. And so all of us end up getting stuck, staring at a blank screen, staring at a blank piece of paper, being told by that paper, now be creative and interesting right now on demand, because I told you to, um, and then we get locked up and then, you know, years go by. I've even talked to one lady who's been quote unquote, working on her book for 20 years, um, when we can just simply allow somebody to talk to us and help us be able to share. It's really cool. Um, I worked with an author who just in day-to-day -day conversation like you and I are having right now, they're not the most articulate person. They struggle just with the concept of speaking. It's it, They have speech impediments. However, when they got on a roll, on that thing they were excited about. I mean, you would have thought they were the most articulate person in the world. They just could go on and on and on about it. Um, and that's really pretty much true for all of us. If we get into the heart of our passion, we can talk about that until somebody pulls our chain and makes us stop. You know, <laughs> um, And that's really what I would give you permission. If you're listening now, more than anything is um, just allow somebody to talk you through it and get the content out of you and then allow the people who really love putting commas in the right place, be the ones to do that rather than stressing that out yourself. Absolutely. I love that. So how, how important would you say it is to have that emotional attachment to something versus having the three key learning points <laughs> they're trying to get out? I think your passion is the heart and soul and core of all of it. Um, too many times we, we uh, you know, try to chase a trend 
because it's really cool right now. Um, and we come up with this amazing three point. I'm not trying to denigrate at all the three points that the person came up with, but um, it's really effective now, but two years, two weeks, whatever from now, it just isn't really selling that well. And usually that has to do with because we created a program for a something rather than having who we are be brought out into the world and create the program from the heart and soul of who we are. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? So the easiest way, let's give them a free gift. Yay. We um, like free gifts. We love everybody free loves gifts. free stuff, right? <laughs> so if you go to ongoingwealthguide.com, that's ongoingwealthguide.com. If you go there, um, free gift, uh, it's a five-step program um, that is a guide to wealth. I'm going to actually call it abundance, meaning that it doesn't necessarily have to do with you open up the bank account and what the dollars are or aren't in there that particular day, but it's more about having a system for being able to really truly um, create wealth and abundance and ongoingly um, have a process, which is very much based in marketing because I am a marketing company. Um, and that's yours for free. And then actually on the thank you page of that, there's a link and you can schedule a free 15 minute session to talk with me about anything in your marketing or your book or anything I can do to help you out with. Love that. That is awesome. Thank you. That is super fun. Tell me, yes, of course, I'm checking that out, peeps. <laughs> but we all have those links for you in the show notes. So feel free to go ahead and scroll down and uh, click on those links so that you have them. And of course, they'll be in your browser history. If you don't have time to take care of it now, do it when you have time to go and look at those. But in the meanwhile, keep listening because we're not done yet. So I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I've been an entrepreneur pretty much basically literally my whole life. I started selling at five years old. Um, it's fun because my brother and I are actually remodeling the house we live in now. So I've told this story a million times and he kind of gave me a little bit of insight into it. So at five years old, my parents had bought greeting cards and holiday napkins for my brothers to sell. And they very quickly discovered that they didn't really like sales and went and got jobs mowing lawns. Um, but you know, five, I could conquer the world. Right. Um, I said, can I go sell them? So my mom packages them up and figures like most children, I'll go out for a couple of minutes, probably run around the yard. Maybe I'll talk to somebody, probably not. Um, and then come back. Instead, I came back a little while later with an empty bag and a pocket full of money, um, and I've been in business ever since. My brother actually tells me the most annoying part of that was they would tell me, no, we've already gone to those people, and they said no, and I'd be like, that's okay, and I'd go up to the house, and uh, of course, I was five, and so, you know, the power of cuteness is is a whole new sales <laughs> technique, but but uh yeah, advantage. You know, take advantage of every advantage you have people. absolutely every advantage <laughs> yes <laughs> oh my god that's awesome i love that story that's great so and i also want to know in the in your entrepreneurial experience across the board have you uh, had the opportunity to get your blooper reel <laughs> done yet any bloopers in the in the blooper um, reel i mean i don't actually have them like on video in a reel that would be a <laughs> lot of kidding. fun uh, um, any any I mean, fun ones that you can share with us though uh i mean i've made so many bloopers in so many different places 
there was one time <laughs> this one's so funny so as i said i was the lead singer in a christian rock band and at the time we were practicing in a church now my dad my whole life was a pastor so the church was my yard the whole week and then the people would come in on sundays and play in my yard for a couple hours all right um i'll tell you two stories the first one when i was little my uh my dad one of the people came in and said pastor you need to go out and see what your son's doing um, I was standing at the entrance to the driveway to the church with a can charging people to park in the parking lot because, you know, it's my parking lot. Right. right. Um, many years later, like I said, when I was in the band, uh, we were practicing in the church and there was a great debate between both the members of the band as well as several members of the church as to whether or not I should be I should be walking on the altar rail or not and whether or not that was totally just absolutely sacrilegious or stuff and um it was so matter of fact to me that i was like i didn't even know i was doing it and some of them were so highly offended um but yeah i i suppose if you're really talking about my blooper reel the different things that i have faux pod said um somebody called me on one the other day this is about a year ago um i i was saying i'm prejudiced I was actually meaning I'm biased. Okay. <laughs> um, I was talking about, I think I was actually at that point back before my divorce, I was talking about my wife and I was saying, you know, I think she's amazing. I, of course I'm biased, but I said, I'm prejudiced. <laughs> you can imagine how well that went over, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, there's been lots of those. In fact, one of the best public speaking trainings I ever got was a person that said, just say it. If you mess up, be, you know, Hey, I messed up. Um, and so if you go back and you listen to my radio show, Thriving Entrepreneur, it could almost be a drinking game. How many times I mess up a person's name and never get their whole name right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And that's usually why I don't say anybody's names. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, then everybody's my buddy. We're on a first name basis. That's how that's that's how I'm taking it. <laughs> awesome. You have been absolutely awesome, Steve. Any last words for our peeps? I just want to remind everybody that um, the world is waiting on you. More importantly than the whole world, though, is there is some one person who will continue making mistakes until you share who you are and what you know thus far with the world. Um, so for them, for you too, um, take what you are and who you are and share that with the world. Don't let it slip. Maximize while it's today so that you can make the difference that only you can make in this world. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thanks, Michelle. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with your friends. We love helping all of y'all get it up and keep it up till next time thank you for listening to the little blue pill for business podcast with your mistress in business michelle nedelec why are you still here go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies if you enjoyed the show be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast of course so you won't miss any future episodes now check the notes for links oh and only tell your wife if she's into this you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.